What's going on, guys? It's Fancy Stock Exchange here, and today we're going to be bringing forth our third part of our ranking series we're doing over here at the Fancy Stock Exchange YouTube channel. You guys would have already seen our running back rankings, our wide receiver rankings. Now we're getting into the gross part of your rookie drafts. We're talking about the quarterbacks, and we're talking about the tight ends. And I know it says quarterback rankings right above me, but we're going to be talking about these crummy tight ends as well. Yeah, I mean, last year, this would have been a lot more of an exciting oh, yeah. video for you guys. But uh, this year, quarterback and tight end rankings, we got to cover them at some point. We we, did, we probably spent zero time talking about the tight ends pre-draft. So we do at least have to give some kind of advice on those guys. So yeah, not the most exciting video. Hopefully, this one will be the shortest of the ones that we did for you guys. But we'll, we'll give you a brief overview of these players, where we're taking them in rookie drafts, all that kind of stuff, the talent and the opportunity that we have in front of them. So uh, if you guys enjoy this video at any point, you guys know what to do. Hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below and subscribe to the channel. If you're new, if you want the rest of our dynasty rankings, you guys can check them out by going to patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. We will be starting up a uh, $10 tier Patreon league pretty soon as well. So if you want a chance to be in that uh, Patreon is also the way to do so. And if you want our dynasty rankings, also, you know, you can go to underdogfantasy.com using promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit, you'll get 100% match back on whatever you put in. And you'll also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto as a free gift for doing that. So before we get into it, let's hit the intro. Okay, so we're going to start with the quarterback position because there is one relevant guy that's going to go in the first round. So um, let's talk about Kenny Pickett, who is both of our quarterback ones. And I just threw up with that sentence because <laughs> Kenny Pickett was actually my quarterback five going into the draft. I didn't think he was, you know, from a talent perspective. Again, we're going to cover talent first. I wasn't a huge fan of Kenny Pickett. He gets heralded for his accuracy by NFL scouts, but his 82.9% catchable pass rate over his college career ranked actually fourth. Among the college quarterbacks, only Malik Willis was worse. But of course, we know Malik Willis was a little, bit, a little bit more of a raw prospect and had the upside that was you know, enticing to some of us, but not apparently the NFL. He doesn't have an elite arm either. His career big time throw percentage of 3.6% ranks worst among the top five quarterbacks. And even this past season where he had his best season of his career, it was still behind Willis's big time throw percentage, Howell's big time throw percentage, and Ritter. So it was only better than Corral's among the top five QBs. Uh, but the big thing that has me worried about Kenny Pickett from a, you know, Talent. real life NFL play standpoint and a fantasy standpoint is that even in his best season, he ranks worst among the top quarterbacks in yards per attempt under pressure and passer rating under pressure. So this is a guy that was not very good when he was rattled and when he got hit and when he was under pressure and the Steelers, as we know, don't typically have the best offensive line. But the one thing I will say about the Steelers is that they were a little bit better in pass protection than maybe we realize and a little bit better, of course, than they were as a run uh, blocking offensive line. They actually ranked top 20, I believe, top 16 in PFF pass blocking grade and top 10 in adjusted sack rate last year. So it's not a terrible offensive line. And again, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise and it's 20th overall draft capital, which is the key for Kenny Pickett. He has a plethora of weapons to throw to. He has Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, who they drafted in the second round. Calvin Austin, Najee Harris to run the ball. It's a stable franchise, a great coaching staff. And remember, as we talked about for the wide receivers, the landing spot does not matter as much for that position. But at the quarterback position, we do want to, you know, take landing spot into account at a higher percentage than 10%, like I said, for the wide receiver position. Because for quarterbacks, it does matter how good your franchise is, the weapons around you, you know, your offensive line, all that stuff matters in the NFL for college quarterbacks transitioning. Doesn't matter as much for wide receivers. Yeah, I mean... It 
plain and simple, I mean, if we're looking at this from a talent perspective, you can, you can imagine it from a, a pure fantasy ceiling projectable standpoint, just based off his talent. I mean, he doesn't have a big arm. I guess decently mobile, like he ran fast at the combine, but he's never going to be a, a plus plus runner in the NFL. And we're combining that with the fact that he's quite literally older than Bush. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, if you can transition Kenny Pickett, like if you're in a rookie draft and you are able to, you know, you know, pick it in a second or the pick that's going to be pick it in a second, you can move up to like a Zach Wilson. I would much rather do that, which oddly enough, Zach Wilson is, I believe, a full year and a half younger than Kenny Pickett, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, with from a talent standpoint, I don't really see it with Pickett, but obviously he deserves a, a place in that mid to back end for front of your rookie drafts simply because of the opportunity at hand. He is going to be a starting quarterback. And as we know, in super flex drafts, in super flex period, it is almost impossible to be able to acquire quarterbacks post-startup and post-rookie draft. So if you want to bite the bullet and you want to take me, you know, the 109, the 112 range, I'm not going to, you know, ridicule you for it. But I would more so use Pickett and try to transition up to, as I mentioned, you know, a Zach Wilson type. Um, I mean, heck, I would take Mac Jones straight up over Kenny Pickett at this point in Dynasty, and you could probably get um, that probably straight up at this point. And I'm not even a big Mac Jones fan. It's just, I don't know, first-round draft capital situation with Pittsburgh. You have to rank him at one, but it is very, very ugly. Yeah, and if you thought we were lukewarm on Kenny Pickett, wait till we get to the rest of this video. Again, oh, fuck. <laughs> this uh, this video is not the most exciting in the world, so we'll try and you know bring our own energy, bring our own juice to this one. But yeah, yeah, like we said, one hundred nine to one hundred twelve is where we're comfortable taking Kenny Pickett. We are not selecting him with the top eight, top six pick. Like I know some people will be because he's a quarterback. That's not the only reason I'm going to select the player. I'm going to select the better players which in my opinion is at the wide receiver position and obviously the two running backs ahead of Kenny Pickett. So I'm not going to overvalue the quarterback position just because he went in the first round. It's not a great quarterback prospect. In my opinion, I would rather like Danny said, trade for Mac Jones, use a piece to get up to, you know, Zach Wilson. If you want to trade for a veteran quarterback, if you're a window yeah. team, Kirk go Cousins. after Kirk Cousins, go after Ryan Tannehill, go after Derek Carr, go after one of those guys. If you're in need of a quarterback, don't just take Kenny Pickett because you need a QB. And this kind of goes back to our uh, five biggest mistakes video. People feel the security of taking a guy like that. When in react actuality, if you were on a, on the clock and somebody is interested in picking and say you were, you know, going to take Pickett. Be creative when you're on the clock. Try to make that transition. As I mentioned, Zach Wilson, Kirk Cousins, guys like that. But either way, enough on Kenny Pickett. You guys already know our thoughts on him. Let's move on to our number two quarterback on this list, and that's going to be Malik Willis, uh, new Tennessee Titan. And in terms of his talent, obviously, he was a very raw prospect from an NFL standpoint. That's why he fell to the 86th overall pick. But he is a very, very tantalizing talent from an uh, from a fantasy football standpoint. He is, again, as I mentioned, the definition of Konami code upside, 94.5 PFF rushing grade, 174.7 elusiveness rating, and a line last year on the ground, 151 carries, 1,220 rushing yards, and 13 rushing touchdowns, combined with the fact that he has top-of-the-line NFL speed for the quarterback position. Think Jalen Hurts' level of upside if he gets that opportunity. The problem is the opportunity pour a drink out for your boy because this is my clear-cut 102 going to the draft as long as he got that first round draft capital and the nfl just put uh, just said a big fuck you to me third round draft capital we are not even sure if he'll get an opportunity to start in the nfl 
So taking him anywhere in the first round, first 15 picks of your rookie drafts is basically saying, yeah, I'm going to put my top 15 investment in this rookie draft and probably expect him to be on my taxi squad for one or two years. And using that type of asset on that type of, or a rookie asset or draft pick asset on that type of player is way too projectable for my liking. Again, the main allure for me in taking him again at 102 was the fact that he was Jalen Hurts with draft capital. Now he's Jalen Hurts with worse draft capital. And if you were taking Jalen Hurts back in 2020, uh, he was back into the second, early third round rookie pick, which is where Malik should be going. Again, you want to make the case you want to take him at 208, 209, you know, right at that back end of the second. I'm fine with that. But anywhere higher, especially over second round receivers, running backs with opportunity, is just a complete misallocation of your asset. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think a lot of people are going to still spend too high of draft capital on Malik And again, if you're in a, a three year rebuild, like a really long term thing, and you want to take the shot at 208, 207, 209 on Malik Willis, that's about the absolute apex of where I'm willing to draft him. I'm more yes. comfortable with him, like Danny said, at the 2 3 turn because I mean, people are going to look back at Davis Mills last year too and be like, well, oh, Davis Mills was a great, you know, uh, third round quarterback that worked out. But Davis Mills had nobody in front of him on the depth chart. He didn't have, you know, a $35 million per year quarterback like Ryan Tannehill ahead of him on the depth chart, a quarterback who I still think can play. I don't think he's washed. Up until that Cincinnati game last year, this was a quarterback who was playing at a top 15 level for three seasons. So I don't think it maybe it's writing on the wall for Ryan Tannehill. That's a separate discussion. But even if it is, let's say Ryan Tannehill is done after this season in Tennessee. Is that going to stop Tennessee from trading up for a different quarterback in the draft next year? If there's four or five first round quarterbacks or if they're just a bad team and they're moving on from Tannehill from that perspective, they're just picking high in general. I don't think that Malik Willis's presence on that team uh, precludes them from taking a quarterback. And if they, if it was, then they would have picked him in the first round. Yep. No, I, I fully agree with that. Uh, but either way, I mean, we got a few guys in this range, you know, back in second, early third type of area. Take it away with our consensus quarterback three in this class, Matt Corral. Yeah, and I would say Corral is more likely to be the Davis Mills of this class because Corral is kind of like the anti-Sam Darnold. And if, if Sam Darnold is turning the ball over early on in the season, then the Panthers coaching staff is probably going to want to transition to Matt Corral. They're probably not going to win this year. I know they're going to be on like the hot seat, but they have to do something to save their jobs. And if they have an exciting young quarterback, maybe that helps their case or something. I don't know. They're kind of in a shitty spot, but... Uh, at least with Matt Corral, you get a better ability to take care of the football. He does have the ability to run a little bit, collect some fantasy points. He's great within the pocket, on the run, and he has good escapability. Those are his like plus traits, and he'll need that behind Carolina's offensive line because even though they drafted a tackle at six, he's still going to be a rookie, um, and there's some question marks from that perspective. But he doesn't have the most consistent deep ball in the world from a talent perspective. His arm is good, but it's not great. And he tends to panic after he's been hit a lot. So those are kind of his negative qualities in terms of opportunity. This is kind of why he could be this year's Davis Mills is because Carolina is a solid landing spot for his skill set. But third round draft capital doesn't guarantee him shit like we've kind of talked about with Malik Willis. The Panthers are very likely to have a top 10 pick next year. They are not going to be a good team that potentially, like I said, with a whole new regime in town that didn't draft Matt Corral. And the only saving grace for Matt Corral is that he can probably play in his first season, in his rookie year, because Sam Darnold, for all his faults and for play in uh, poor play, he's also been injured a lot too. So there's a chance that he just gets injured, and um, and Matt Corral can get on the field. Outside of Kenny Pickett, I expect Corral to start the most games of any rookie quarterback this year. If I had to guess, maybe we have a Davis Mills situation, but I wouldn't count on it. And even if it's Davis Mills situation, Davis Mills was also a third round rookie pick last year. 
Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that sentiment. Yeah, from a short-term projectable standpoint, are you probably going to get some useful fantasy production from Corral this year? For sure. But you mentioned the key point here, and the reason why I have him lower than the next guy on our list, though it's a similar situation. Carolina's going to be a bad team. Carolina is most likely going to have a top five, top six, at worst, top 10 pick. We already know two guys that are going to be going in the top five next year with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, and a potential third that's going to be in that top 12 to 15 area with Tyler Van Dyke for Miami. So they are already three quarterbacks that would have been the quarterback one in this class. So when if you're Carolina and you're looking at that, is a third round Matt Corral going to stop you from making a huge quarterback upgrade next year? No. I think, again, as you kind of mentioned, Davis Mill situation would be the you know, best case scenario for Corral. And maybe again, if you take Corral that two, three turn area and you can flip them, you know, mid season for a 2023 second and potentially get a little bit of profit, that would be the bull case for taking Corral, you know, that marginal return on investment. But I don't know. I mean, if you want that guy and you, maybe you're a contender and you want, you know, a third, fourth quarterback who can contribute this year as you're making your push. Sure. But realistically here, I would much rather, you know, as, as we kind of mentioned, the second round receivers, a uh, couple of those running backs with opportunity. I can't personally take Corral again sooner than that 208 to 212 range. I would prefer Willis because I think he's got a higher ceiling when he does see the field. But if you need, again, an immediate quarterback and you're picking, you know, 211, you were in the championship last year and, you know, maybe you had, I don't know, Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback three or four and he retired, which, I mean, if you made the championship, he probably wasn't your quarterback three or four. But hypothetically, say that's your scenario. I think Corral's fine, but I don't know. I mean, th this quarterback class kind of just whatever. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say one of these guys will be like a Davis Mills level Potentially. asset. One of the yeah. five quarterbacks that we're going to talk about, one of them will eventually probably break through, but we we have no idea who it's going to be. And again, a Davis Mills level asset still can't net you with a first round pick right now in in you know dynasty, and he's going to be a starter this year. And we're still not that excited about him because we know that yeah. Houston should be in the QB market this time next year. So uh, let's move on to the next guy. Like you said, Matt Corral, two three turn type of pick. Desmond Ritter is our fourth quarterback. I actually have him as my fifth, but um, he's in a very similar situation yep. to Corral. Yep, for sure. And uh, the kind of pros here in terms of his talent, uh, a lot of respected analysts that I do follow have pointed. Again, I'm not going to talk about, you know, command of the offense and tangibles, everything like that, because genuinely as fantasy football analysts, we don't necessarily know what goes into that. But guys like Nate Tice, guys, you know, respected analysts like that are able to point out those intangibles from a quarterback. And everything I hear from Ritter on that regard are that, He's a leader. He's able to command an offense and he's able to make the correct decisions, which is why a lot of these guys did have Ritter as their quarterback one in this class. You combine that with, you know, decent arm talent, 441 speed. I think he could be a fine, you know, average level fantasy contributor if he's able to get on the field. The biggest question mark from him from a talent perspective is his accuracy on a down to down basis. He misses some easy throws. Even the people who are most bullish on them will admit that he's a solid day two prospect. Some upside, some athleticism. The situation here, as we kind of mentioned, any of these round three plus quarterbacks are not fun. Because if a quarterback's taken realistically outside of the top 50 picks, we're not even guaranteed that they even get a starting opportunity. So that would be the downside there. Unless, you know, Mariota struggles, he's most likely probably not going to see the field. But again, 
the likelihood of Mariota struggling or the Falcons sucking and, you know, wanting to give the young guy a chance is pretty likely in my opinion this season. Cause as we've kind of mentioned off camera on camera multiple times, the Falcons will be in a similar boat to where the Panthers are in terms of being a bad football team. If they start off the season, you know, two and four, or two and five, and the offense isn't moving the ball. I think Ritter's going to get an opportunity to start the rest of the year. And again, given his athletic upside, given his command in the offense, I think he can be, you know, a solid top 25-ish quarterback on the field. It's just the major concern there obviously would be the draft capital. If Atlanta's picking in the top five, Desmond Ritter ain't stopping you from taking a quarterback. Right. That gives you a selling window for both Corral and Ritter, I would say, is that if let's say we get to week six in the season, Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota aren't playing well, are injured, whatever the case is, and Desmond Ritter starts to see the field and it looks like he's going to start the rest of the season, then you could probably get a second round pick for him, which is basically the bull case for taking these guys. I would not just count, oh, I got another quarterback that I can use on this team. Unless I'm a contender, I would probably just flip Ritter at that point. Um, because I'm not going to just, you know, once he gets on the field, it's like, oh, Ritter's going to be the start of the next three, four years cool. in Atlanta. It's probably likely that he starts the rest of the season out. They have a high pick and they take a new quarterback. Well, I mean, I can tell you right now, a rebuilder's most likely not going to be rostering a guy like Brady or a guy like a win now quarterback like that. That probably only has a one, one or two year window. But I mean, Say hypothetically, you know, that rebuilder was late, couldn't get under Brady like this offseason and is holding on to him for the first five or six games. If Desmond Ritter gets an opportunity to start, you can just go to that owner and say, hey, listen, Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback right now. He's young. I'll flip you for Brady right now because we know Brady's probably going to retire at the end of the season. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, rebuilders or, you know, let's just say it's week six and that team's two and four they would rather take the chance on a young guy, projectable starting. And maybe a, a guy like Brady is able to take you over the top. Yeah, maybe that 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 would again that would be a hard situation to see playing out of rebuilder having Brady on their it's team. I, I do think it's definitely possible um, that that situation plays out in your league. And again, two ten to three hundred three, like that's the type of area we're talking yeah. about with these quarterbacks. We're not talking not about much. guys that you're going to spend top fifteen, top twenty capital on even. So let's get into the final guy, which is Sam Howell, who is actually my quarterback one pre draft, which yeah. uh, brings me great pain to say that he's our quarterback five post draft. I thought his combination of arm talent, mobility. His, you know, great pro- pocket presence, great under pressure. He's the best in this class in that area, in my opinion, and high level production as a freshman and a sophomore player. I thought that combination would intrigue an NFL team enough to spend a top 50 pick on the guy, but then the draft happened and he fell to the fucking fifth round. So the fifth round is nearly a death sentence for the quarterback position. I challenge you to pull up fifth round quarterbacks and tell me which guys even got an opportunity to get on the field, let alone were productive fantasy guys. So the only saving grace that I have for Sam Howell and the reason that I would be willing to spend a early third, mid third round pick on the guy is number one, this class stinks altogether. So you spend third round picks on whoever you want, but number two, Washington is a great spot for Howell's skill set. They know how to deploy a mobile quarterback like him. And honestly, he's kind of a better version of who they had last year in Taylor Heineke. Uh, The line in Washington is top 12 in the NFL. He has Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, Jahan Dotson, you know, Brian Robinson, JD McKissick, Logan Thomas. So enough weapons there. His former college teammate in Deami Brown, maybe he can get something out of him. Carson Wentz, the guy ahead of him, is certified trash. He'll get benched or injured before week 10, and you can book that because he's Carson Wentz. The problem is that the fifth-round draft capital, again, even if Howell gets on the field, just like we said for Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter, it doesn't preclude you from uh, from drafting a quarterback in 2023 if Washington is, again, a bad team. So the one saving grace about Washington versus Carolina and Atlanta is that I think Washington will be a better team than those other teams. So maybe they're not picking in the top, you know, 15 to top 20. Maybe they sneak into the wild card or something like that. 
And that's why they don't draft a quarterback next year. And they give a uh, howl a year to have like a Davis mills type of, you know, situation, but either way, not an ideal spot for, for Sam Howell. I wanted him to go, you know, 41 to the Washington football team, trade back into the first round or Washington commanders um, and get Sam Howell. So I like the landing spot. I don't like that. He went in the fifth round. Yeah. For those of you who are wondering like, Oh, if you guys love these guys pre-draft, like why are you so against them, you know, for going round three and later? Well, if we actually look at the starting quarterbacks in the NFL that were picked in the third round or later, there's what four or five. I mean, we're talking what Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Davis Mills. Like, am I forgetting anyone? Like that 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 uh, is Kirk Cousins was a fourth round pick. Kirk Cousins, like, yeah, we're talking literally like five guys out of 32 teams. So if we're realistic, again, we could be as high as possible in some of these guys, but understanding the hit rates and understanding that. Typically, we don't see players taking that late truly get a full opportunity to be a long-term starter. We have to use that into our evaluation. So again, as we mentioned, if Howell got first-round draft capital, this guy's probably a late first-round rookie pick. The fact I would that he spend, went, I would spend a top eight pick on on Howell if he got first-round draft capital, right? And because he goes fifth round, I mean, yeah, we got to be adapt. We got to be fluid. We got to be like water, man. We have to adjust our draft board given what the NFL is indicating to us how they view them. Yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't hold on to my pre-draft bias that Howell's QB1. I can't be like, well, I had Howell QB1 before, you know, pick it. So I'm going to look like the smartest person in the room for having the fifth round quarterback better than the first round quarterback. Maybe it plays out that way. And that's, you know, why I lean on my film grades a little bit when I'm doing drafts, but um, I'm not going to just say, you know, I'm going to take Howell over Pickett because one went because I had one rated higher pre-draft. That's yeah. not really how fantasy drafts work. I'm going to have a lot of exposure to Howell because I have a lot of third round picks in a lot of leagues. Um, but again, what you're hoping for is like a selling window a la Davis Mills, not necessarily exactly. a long-term starter. And if that happens, I mean, that's a top 1% outcome that Howell becomes, you know, a 10 Dak to 15-year starter in the NFL. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, for every one Dak Prescott, we get 100, I don't know, freaking Cody Kesslers. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm a, uh, again, I, I'm a Cowboys fan. I love Dak Prescott, but fuck, we lucked into him get, getting him in the fourth round. He also round. should not have been there, he right? It was, he would have been a first round field pick. concerns that made yes. him fall to the fourth round. For Russell Wilson, it was size concerns, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, let's get into the tight end position. We'll, yeah. we'll rapid fire these because they're tight ends and, you know, no one really cares about tight ends. But, uh, the first guy that we're going to talk about is Trey McBride, who I would say is the only tight end I would spend a top two round Sick. pick on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, if you want to, again, I have listed 210 to 303 here, but even like 208, 209 on, if you want to spend it on McBride, especially in a tight end premium, you want to spend a, pre, a more premium pick, I wouldn't mind it because, I mean, this guy does have a very solid prospect profile. Elite production this past year at Colorado State, 90 receptions, 1,121 yards, one touchdown. Also combine that with a 46.3 college dominator, which is in the 99th percentile of production amongst the tight end position. So, this is an elite producer. You combine that with good athletic metrics, 89th percentile 40-yard dash, 85th percentile speed score, on top of 55th overall second-round draft capital to the Arizona Cardinals. He's the clear-cut tight end one, in my opinion. You're putting him in a situation now where the only you know, hurdle he has to face is a 32-year-old Zach Ertz to get onto, a field, uh, onto the field for a team that is one of the best passing offenses, vertical offenses in the entire NFL. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in on McBride, and if you, especially if you need a tight end, I we don't advocate for drafting for need, but if you're selecting him, you know, within a tier of you know third round receivers, like I'm willing to take him amongst those like second and third round receivers because I think he's that good of a prospect. 
Yeah, I think he's the perfect guy to pair with, you know, George Kittle, Darren yes. Waller, any older tight end that you might have, Travis Kelsey on your team. Because his situation reminds me a lot of Cole Komet's coming in. Cole Komet was behind Jimmy Graham, who was an older, once productive, you know, tight end. And I don't think Zach Ertz is as washed as Jimmy Graham was um, no. when Cole Komet came in, because I think Zach Ertz played well enough last year to show that he's probably got another year or two left in him. But Trey McBride has a year or two to develop. If you're a rebuilding team and you want to spend the 210, on a, on a solid tight end prospect, maybe by the time you're ready to compete, he's actually a fantasy relevant guy. And like Danny said, he's a good athlete. He ran a four, five, six at his pro day. Like that's a yeah. pretty good number. And obviously it's a pro day. So we add a little bit of time to account for the fact that he didn't run at the combine. But I do think Trey McBride is definitely worth a, you know, 210, 211, 212 type of pick. If you're deciding between him and like Tyquan Thornton, like I'm cool going with Trey McBride. McBride. I think he's a better prospect. Yep. No, I agree. And I mean, we kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mentioned you wanted to push him to a 209. Sure. I have him listed here, 210 to 303, pick your poison. But either way, I do think given the draft capital, given the pro profile, he is pretty clearly in a tier of his own at the tight end position this year. Yeah. And a tight end premium to 205, 206 is probably what I'm willing to spend yep. on the guy. Uh, let's get into the tight end too. Uh, Greg Dolchich, tight end from the Denver Broncos. Uh, the pros for him are, are pretty simple. He got third round draft capital. He was drafted uh, early in the third round as well. 16th pick overall. Solid athlete too. He ran a 4.7 uh, flat at the combine. 99.1 weight adjusted speed score. Uh, his burst score, agility score, all above the 60th percentile. So he's a solid athlete. He's not an elite athlete. Um, and the situation wise, he has Albert O as a free agent after this season, solid production in college for him as well. 20.5% target share as a junior, 16.5% target share his senior season. Uh, the cons for him, he's a little undersized. Typically we want to see tight ends be, you know, 250 or heavier. He's 243, only six foot four. So he's a bit undersized, but I would say he's a pretty solid prospect. And the other thing that's good about Greg Dolchitz too, and is different from some of the other guys that we're going to talk about is like every other tight end in this class seems like they're like 23 and a half years old. Greg Dolchich just turned 22. So he is a little bit of a younger prospect, even though he was a senior coming out this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Dolchich and I know, again, I kind of mentioned it with, um, with McBride and with a couple of the others with Desmond Ritter, that this is a guy that NFL circles are really high on. I mean, Dolchich from a pure nuance standpoint, I've heard a lot that he is the best route runner at the tight end position by a lot of people I respect. He's landing in a situation now in Denver, obviously a very high-powered offense, obviously teaming up there with Albert Okuivnam, who, oddly, oddly enough, he got significantly higher draft capital than. If you remember, Alberto, pretty late fourth or fifth round type of pick. They actually used a third-round pick to go and secure Dolce. So I think maybe not year one, but by year two on, like this could be a very, very good contributor on the team. And as you kind of mentioned, from a production standpoint, he's been relatively productive these last couple years uh 83rd percentile college dominator as you kind of said pretty good athlete nuance at the position uh i think he can end up being you know maybe best case scenario a top 15 ish type of tight end yeah and i think i mentioned that albert o was a free agent after this year i think he was actually drafted in 2020 not 2019 so he's not a free agent after this year but he is a free agent in two years from now um but either way I, like you said dolchich was drafted higher i think he might have even been not athletically, but but uh, production-wise, a similar prospect as well. So uh, let's get into the next tight end that we have here. Jelani Woods uh, from the Indianapolis Colts, also a third-round pick in the NFL draft. The pros are pretty simple. If you look at yeah. his measurables, go to his player profiler page. Six foot seven, two fifty-two, ran a four-six-one at the combine, like ninety-plus percentile weight-adjusted speed score, ninety-fifth uh, percentile uh, burst score as well, agility score off the charts. This guy tested like a freak. I've heard from a lot of film people that he doesn't play that way, which is a concern. 
And also uh, production wise, he was not productive at all at Oklahoma state. He was only productive this season as like a red shirt senior once he transferred to Virginia. So if this was a wide receiver prospect, this would be a huge red flag, right? When you're only productive after you transfer away as a 23 year old dominating 18 to 20 year olds, that's usually a big time red flag. Yeah. I mean, breakout age 22.9 seventh percentile though. When he did break out, he was pretty, pretty dominant 94th percentile college dominator. And when you're looking at his profile, he's almost virtually the opposite of a guy like Greg Dolchich, where he's productive the last couple of years. He's relatively young, you know, he's a nuanced player. With Jelani Woods, you are banking completely on the athletic upside here. We're talking about an 89th percentile 40 yard dash, a 94th percentile speed score, a 95th percentile burst score, 82nd percentile agility. Like this guy is a Freak of nature, six seven two fifty running a four six just does not make sense. So if we're looking at the situation, the fact that the Colts were willing to use a third round draft pick to bring this guy in, they clearly see that athletic upside. They clearly have a vacant role for a potential tight end one of the future. If you're taking Jelani Woods, don't expect production year one. Maybe don't expect production in the first couple years. This is a guy that if he can develop as an NFL caliber player by year three, his upside could be legitimately like the next top six tight end in fantasy. It's just his profile is way, way more volatile than a McBride or a Dolchich, which knocks him below those guys for myself. And I'm assuming that's the case for you as well. Yeah, my my operating philosophy with tight ends like Jelani Woods, who are probably not going to be productive at all their first year or first two years, is trade for them after the rookie season when everyone's forgotten about them. I'm probably not going to spend a draft pick on Jelani Woods, but I will send out, you know, throw in deals where Jelani Woods is attached to it next year. Because unlike wide receivers, we don't necessarily um, concern ourselves with year one production for the tight end position because we've seen, you know, time and time again, year two, year three, a tight end who was not productive his first year or his first two years has come out of the woodworks and been uh, productive for fantasy, you know, similar to guys like Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox this past year. So um, there's no reason for me to spend like an early third round pick on him. That's about the range I would pick him. But uh, I I do think I would rather just trade for the guy later on. And speaking to that note, guys like Tommy Tremble and, you know, guys that weren't productive last year make good trade targets for that reason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even if, you know, you want to throw them in into a deal, like say, for instance, you know, if you want to trade down or up in your rookie drafts, they're perfect throw-ins. Like if you wanted to trade down from, let's say, 303 to 308 because somebody wants whoever's on the board at 303, get them to throw Tommy Tremble in on, on that deal. The re- realistic you know, difference between 3-3 and 308 this year is probably not a big difference. Nothing. If you can get a young, potentially upside tight end uh, in the process, that's not a bad idea. So I'm not talking about trade targets right now. Let's get into the yeah. fourth guy, which is Kate Otten of my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I hated this pick when it happened. I still hate it. Um, the pros for Kate Otten is that apparently I didn't watch this guy's tape, so don't quote me on this. Apparently he's a good athlete on tape, but he's not a great athlete. So probably like Dolchich, like athlete, uh, Cole Komet, like athlete, he got drafted in the fourth round. So that's, you know, solid draft capital for the tight end position, but the cons are that he's 23 years old. So he's an older player. He was a red shirt senior this past year. And unlike Jelani Woods, he didn't produce at all really throughout his college career, his career high in receiving yards is like 300. And uh, he had an uh, 18% target share in his third season in 2020, but it was COVID shortened. It was only four games. So mo- for the most part, this is like a 10% target share guy at best that you're getting. Yeah. And people are going to be a little excited about Kate Otten, I think, because he's Tampa. a Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end and Tom Brady is the quarterback. And they're going to go, oh, he's fucking Gronk. 
the next Gronk or whatever. But like, it's way more likely to me that this guy's the next Cameron Bright at best at, at his absolute ceiling. Um, because I think he, he just doesn't have a great profile and I don't think he's that good of a player, but if you're in the fourth round of your rookie draft and you want to take a shot on him, I'm okay with that. But any, any time before that, I'm probably even going to pass. For sure. I mean, if we're looking at it, I mean, it, we'll put, you know, Dolchich and Jelani Woods into that mid to late third round area. These next two with Auten and the next guy we'll talk about, they are strictly fourth round dart throws. Do not take them even over a guy like Tyquan Thornton, Khalil Shakir, some of those running backs. These are simply, you know, you're in the fourth round of your rookie draft. Maybe you have an old tight end that has two years left and you want to take a gamble that this guy can beat Dalton Schultz in two years. That's exactly what I'm going to say about the next guy on this list. Yeah, transitioning into the next guy, Jake Ferguson from your Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Just go ahead and talk about him. Yeah, I mean, if you pulled up Jake Ferguson's athletic profile side by side with Dalton Schultz, you would think they were the exact same player. Like, it's pretty remarkable how similar they are as athletes. Heck, Jake Ferguson was actually more productive in college, so he was a better prospect coming in. The pro of, of Ferguson is that you're getting insulation, obviously, with the Dallas Cowboys passing attack. Dalton Schultz is on that franchise tag this year, and the Cowboys could be looking at Ferguson as that potential cheap rookie deal replacement that can pretty much operate in the exact same role that Dalton Schultz has on this team. Yes, obviously, Dalton Schultz is a better player right now. Don't get me wrong with that. Like Dalton Schultz is probably, you know, a top 12-ish tight end in the league. But realistically, what's the difference between plugging in a rookie contract, Jake Ferguson, versus paying Dalton Schultz 10 to 12 million a year? From the Cowboys' standpoint, we have seen what they have done from a team management, from a, uh, a salary cap management standpoint this year. They are not paying Dalton Schultz top five or six tight end market money. So if that's the case, and they spent the 129th overall pick, fourth round draft capital on Jake Ferguson, all that tells me is they view Jake Ferguson as, we'll let you learn behind Dalton Schultz for a year, you're pro comp, if you will, and then hopefully you're able to take that next step by 2023 and on. So if you're in the fourth round of your rookie drafts and you know you can get this guy, put him on your taxi squad for, for a year, and maybe he has usable production next year on i mean it's a fucking fourth round rookie pick i am fine with taking that type of stab on a guy that should have at least situation insulation for the dallas cowboys yeah and any other tight end that we're going to talk about too like we're not going to even mention these guys but daniel bellinger for the giants yeah. jeremy ruckert for the jets um isaiah likely for the ravens take your shot charlie if you like him, take your shots in the fourth round but uh i'm not really that interested in any of those guys bellinger's kind of interesting i guess because ingram is gone now but he's more so of like a blocking tight end from what i understand so yeah. maybe not all that interesting together so again the energy may be sapped by the end of this video but that's <laughs> what this quarterback and tight end class will do to us if you guys enjoyed this video and you noticed that i have a new jersey behind me Comment down below Joe Willie Namath if he made it to this point at the end of the video. The most exciting character in the history of the NFL. Um, so if you count, if you, yeah, again, if you made it to this point in the video, comment that down below. Hit the like button if you enjoyed. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. If you want all of our Dynasty rankings, you guys know how to get them by now. Underdog Fantasy using promo code FSE. At sign up and first deposit, Best Ball Mania 3 is live right now. It is a fucking irresponsible amount of money. $10 million in prize money, $2 million to first, second gets $1 million, third gets 500 k 
get your stake at potentially that big of a prize pool. It's a lot easier than you think to potentially win something like that. So using promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit, you'll get a hundred percent match back on whatever you put in. You'll also get the side benefit of getting our dynasty rankings manifesto for free. And then of course, check out patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange for more dynasty and rookie content. So peace out guys. We'll talk to you soon.